Hey everybody, my name is John Jorgensen and welcome back to the John Cast. It's good to be with you all. Happy Friday or weekend or whatever day you're listening to this. I am super pumped, people, because today we're going to dive into a brand new series, our summer reading series. We've talked about it for a few weeks. We pushed it back one week, but this week we are beginning it officially. And buckle up, everybody, because this is going to be a big one. We're going to be in this for a while. All summer long on this podcast and on my YouTube channel, we're going to be looking at the Bible. The Bible is our summer reading. Specifically, we're going to be talking about how to read the Bible, specifically how to read four books in the Bible. This summer, we're going to be focusing on how to read the Gospels well and wisely and in a way that I believe can transform our lives. And a little sort of caveat before we get started, this series, these next 10 to 20 episodes are going to feel a bit more academic or nerdy than our normal podcast. It's going to be a little bit less like a sermon and a little bit more like a short Bible class, if you will. But it is my intention for this to not just be head knowledge, but for this to become heart transformation for you as well. My hope is that just like our short sermons, these more academic episodes will hopefully lead you into a, a deeper relationship with the words of scripture. Um, and hopefully, as always, the intention is to help you move forward in your faith journey. And so before we dive into specifically what I want to talk about today with the Gospels, I want to give a little manifesto, I'll show you a little bit of the heart behind this series and why I want to spend an entire summer teaching people how to read the Bible. So a few weeks ago, uh, Sweet Bear and I, we were doing our stay-at-home thing, and we found ourselves watching this mini-series, like many of you have probably watched a bunch of series during this time, but we were watching uh, Waco. Waco is a mini-series. It's on Netflix right now. I believe it was originally on FX, starring Taylor Kitsch of Friday Night Lights fame and Michael Shannon. And uh, it's, it's quite good, the series, but it is based on a true story of the Branch Davidians, which were a small sort of sect or denomination of Christianity that many people classify as a cult. And the, it tells the story of an FBI raid of the compound where the Branch Davidians lived and how the FBI kind of held them in there for over a month. It was quite a long time before eventually throwing in tear gas to try and pull them all out. Unfortunately, um, the tear gas caught fire and Basically, the entire uh, group of Branch Davidians were stuck inside, and pretty much all of them, except a few, a choice few, tragically perished. And it was a a giant news story in the late 90s. It's a true story. Um, And the show definitely makes the claim that this was something, this was a tragedy that happened because it was very much mishandled. The situation was terribly mishandled by the FBI. Um, That's the big case that the show is making, and it seems to be pretty clear. However, as Sweet Bear and I were watching the show, I found myself getting very, very emotional. And uh, after we finished it, I was very, very fired up because the last episode is truly tragic because you watch these people uh, just unable to escape this fire, men, women, children. And I, I was pretty shaken by it. And part of the reason that I was shaken was, and not to, I mean, it's a true story, and I kind of just spoiled the series anyway, Um, so I guess I probably should have given you a bit of a spoiler alert, but 
part of my frustration was in watching that show, the, the leader of the Branch Davidians, his name was David Koresh, and he, throughout much of it, um, keeps the people in that compound because of a specific reading of a specific portion of scripture. And it becomes clear throughout this, uh, throughout this series that David Koresh has a certain view of scripture and a certain way of interpreting it. And because of his view and his interpretation of scripture, he made choices and decisions that put the people that he was leading, he, that put their lives in danger and eventually led to their deaths, their tragic deaths. And so what killed the Branch Davidians was a fire. And that fire was, many people believe, caused by the FBI. But what also killed the Branch Davidians was a misunderstanding of the Bible. And that just gave me one picture of what I see happening all throughout our world and what has happened for hundreds and hundreds of years since the Bible came into being and since Christianity became a world power. I believe that the Bible is a tool that has often been misused as a weapon. The Bible is a tool that is meant to help us build things, specifically build a life, but has often been misused by those in power as a weapon, mostly because people don't know how to read it. They don't know how to engage with it, and they don't know how to interpret it and apply it to their lives. And when we read the Bible incorrectly, it leads to disaster in our world. It leads to people getting hurt. It leads to things all the way down the line, extreme case, like the tragedy of the Branch Davidians. And so I believe, to my core, that one of the best things that we can do to transform not just our own lives, but the entire world that we live in for the better is to learn how to read and interpret and respect the words of Scripture. And that's the heart of this series. The heart of this series is not just to get more head knowledge about what this verse says or what that verse says, but the heart of this series is for us to learn how to engage with the words of Scripture in a wise and life-giving way so that we can engage in our world in a wise and life-giving way. That's the heart of it. You got it? Cool. Soapbox done. Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. So this entire series, it is focused on one word, as we were saying, and that word is gospel. And so what I want you to do to start out wherever you are, I just want you to think for a second, what comes to mind for you when I say that word, gospel? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? What, what is your current understanding or, or your current definition of the word gospel? Maybe for you, the first thing that came to your mind was the four books at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biblical accounts of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. More likely, if you grew up in church, like me, you hear the word gospel and you probably think basic rules for salvation, right? That Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sin so that I can go to heaven when I die. 
Maybe you have heard a preacher or a speaker use one of a million gospel acronyms. Yes, God's only son provides everlasting life. God, our sins, paying everyone life. I even think I have an entire spoken word video that is three minutes long (laughs) filled with gospel acronyms. When I am invited to speak at a summer camp, I am usually asked on the final night to, quote, preach the gospel. And it sounds very, very strange, but I usually ask uh, that youth leader, can you tell me what you mean when you say preach the gospel? Because as you can see, just from me going through this short list, when I say that word, a bunch of different things come to our minds. And here's the thing about all of these. I am not sitting here and telling you that any of those definitions that I just went through or any of those acronyms are wrong. That's not what I'm saying. And specifically, I want to address the narrative and the definition that is probably in the majority of the evangelical Christian sector that listens to this podcast. Your definition, potentially, is one of the Gospels were written to show that Jesus died for your sins so that you can go to heaven when you die. I want to address that. Let me be clear. I believe that part of Jesus' work and ministry was to create a way for us to be with God in eternity. I believe that was core to the mission of Jesus and what he was doing, and I believe what he accomplished. And everything that I'm about to say in this podcast and in this series does not negate that. That is all true. However, I would argue that the story of Jesus dying on the cross so that you can go to heaven when you die... That is not the main story that the gospel authors are telling. That's not the main story that the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are telling. Again, that's not to say that that isn't important or that the gospel presented to you in that way hasn't meant a lot to you and made a genuine difference in your life and eternity. Absolutely, that's true. But that idea is just one of many ingredients when it comes to the four Gospels in the Bible. Which leads me to a metaphor that uh, I want to sort of guide our entire series and our entire work together, and that is that reading the Gospel is like baking a cake. And what I mean by that is when, when you bake a cake, there are lots of ingredients that you have to use. You have to use eggs, you have to use flour, you have to use baking soda, you have to use things to, you know, cream cheese to make the eye if you're making a cream cheese frosting or whatever. And some of those ingredients, you have to use more of them than others. There's certain amounts you have to use. Some of the ingredients in a cake are more important than others in order to make the cake work. Some of the ingredients you can do without them entirely And you'll still make a decent tasting cake. But in order for us to get the full richness of the cake, you need to know which ingredients to use and how much of each ingredient to use. And it's the same with reading the gospel accounts. In order for us to get all of the richness that these biblical authors desire for us to get out of these accounts, we have to understand all of the ingredients that go into them. And we have to understand how much of each ingredient we need, how much of each ingredient we should lean on or pay attention to and when. And so our first ingredient today 
is to uncover not what the word gospel means to us. We've already talked about that. But our intention here today is to discover what did that word mean to the original authors of these accounts? What kind of definition of gospel did their first century audience have? That's what I'm more interested in. Because if we can understand how these authors understood that word, then I think we can begin to read these books as they were meant to be read. So, these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for the most part, were originally written mostly in Greek. And the Greek word for gospel, you may have heard it before, is the word euangelion. It's a really fun word to say. And euangelion is not just translated as gospel in the Bible, but it is more often translated as good news. We see this in the gospels themselves, like in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, or in Jesus' birth announcement in Luke 2, the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. But the gospel accounts, they're not the first place that this word euangelion is used. It's used several times throughout the Old Testament as well. And when it is, it is usually used tied to a royal announcement of some kind. So whenever Israel or God's people would get a new king, a herald or a messenger would spread what they called the euangelion, the good news that there was a new king on the throne. There was a new person in charge. But if you have read the Old Testament, you know that Israel's kings were pretty hit or miss. Sometimes Israel's new leader was anything but good. It was anything but good news that that person was in charge. And so in the midst of this long line of good and bad human kings, there's a prophet named Isaiah that shares this poem, this picture of a time when God himself is going to come down and actually become king among his people. We find it in Isaiah chapter 52. In verse 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings or news, who proclaim salvation or freedom, who say to Zion, your God reigns or your God is king. So follow me here. For God's people throughout history, good news or euangelion or gospel spoke to the reality of God coming down to earth to establish himself as king, to establish himself as being in charge so that he can right all the wrongs in the world. And the gospel authors position the birth and the ministry of Jesus as good news, as euangelion, as gospel. We already see this in Luke chapter 2, like we talked about. It says this, it says, the angel said to them, To the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. At the launch of his ministry in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is shown to be proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And Mark, he begins his entire account by calling it good news. Mark chapter 1 verse 1 says the beginning of the good news. But it's not just any good news. It's the good news about Jesus. 
the Messiah, the Son of God. Okay, that's a lot of information, so, so let's try and land the plane here. What does this all mean? It means that the gospel authors are making the claim that in Jesus, the good news that the people of God have been waiting for, the good news of the kingdom of God, God as king on earth as it is in heaven, the gospel authors are making the claim that that is happening through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. N.T. Wright says it much better than I can. He says the whole point of the Gospels is to tell the story of how God became king on earth as in heaven. And so again, to return to our original question at the beginning of this podcast, how did the original authors and audience think about that word gospel? Well, it would seem that they thought about it as the good news of God becoming king on earth through Jesus. Another scholar, Jonathan Pennington, he says, gospel is the message about the promised return of God's reign now appearing through the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And this, I believe, is the lens through which the gospel authors want us to read their accounts. And I think that's so important for us to understand what these original authors and their original audience would have been thinking about when they heard the word gospel. Because if we can understand their definition, then we can start to read these books as they were meant to be read. Now, this is the first of many, many ingredients in our gospel cake, but it is an important one. So I invite your thoughts, your reactions, any questions that you have, please reach out to me on Instagram, send me a DM, just put John Cast really big at the beginning of your message. Hit me up. I would love to have a discussion about this. And if you're interested in maybe diving a little bit more deeply into this idea of God becoming king on earth through Jesus, then I would highly recommend you check out our King Mode series that we did earlier this year. Uh, I'll make sure to link that uh, that episode, the episode, the first episode there, uh, in the description of this podcast. All right, that's all I have. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed this. I'm really looking forward to diving in to reading the Gospels together this summer. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. I love you all. Keep being awesome.